Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, once again, happy Resurrection Sunday, everybody. It is Resurrection Sunday and Jesus is alive. Well, if you're listening to us via podcast, we want to say thank you for listening and clicking on us. And we hope that this message would help you take your next step closer to Christ. You see, for the worldwide Christian faith, Resurrection Sunday is the most significant, most sacred Christian holiday that there is. Christmas is nothing without Easter. You see, without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. Have you ever wondered what it must have been like that last week we called the Passion Week? What it must have been like for all the people who were there, all the different faces, people who were coming from all the different places of their world, colliding with all the different places of this world, all coming into a single place called Jerusalem. Some were on the inside, and some were on the outside. You know, it can be very easy to minimize how these people were actually very real people just like you and I. Sometimes when we read a story, hear a story from a time of antiquity, a time from way back when, we kind of just group the whole thing into one thought process and then move on and stop to consider that the reality is they were just like you and I in many ways. They have love of family, love of marriage. They, they had hopes, they had dreams, they had feelings. Some were athletic, some were musical, some had hopes of something. And yet we look at them and sometimes we can minimize what category we would put them in. People who are at the beginning of that week were the ones who would cheer, Hosanna in the highest! And those same people just a few days later would yell out, Crucify Him! Whoa! Talk about a dramatic spin! And then there were people who were the closest to Jesus who would all deny Him on that fateful night. And one who would literally betray Him unto death. And there were people who were in very, very close proximity to Jesus, but they really weren't on the inside. And the list of other people could just go on and on. You know, sometimes it's easy to look at other people. Maybe they are people that you know from a distance, or maybe they were people from a different era than yours. And just all of a sudden to assume that we get them, that we really understand them. And sometimes in doing that, unbeknownst to ourselves, we actually miss the mark and really don't have a full understanding of who they are and who they were. So today, we're going to look at just a few characters who were there and how they themselves might have saw the events of that week we call the Passion Week. The challenge I have is this. Have you ever looked back at the Easter story 
the Resurrection Sunday story and ask yourself who you might relate to the most in that resurrection story. I mean, there were the disciples who were true followers of Christ but found out they weren't as committed as they thought they were because they all denied. They all denied Jesus. There was the religious leaders, and they were, well, they were the anti-Jesus group. They were the ones who wanted to both censor and counsel Jesus and anything connected to Jesus. And then there's the, the people in the crowd. Something, sometimes you would look at them and you can just realize they were just confused. But they were also intrigued by it all. And yet some of them ended up being very apathetic about it all because they were just too busy with life. I got this going, I got that going on. You know what, I just don't have time for that. And then there's also those Roman soldier types, the ones who hated the Jews. They despised them. They were supposed to be off this day, or a very small group of people had to work, and yet now they're all mad and angry because they're having to work because of this Jew. And some of those soldiers were just saying, you know what, I'm just doing my job. I don't know, does this kind of sound familiar thousands of years later? So many different people who were there during the Passion Week of Christ. No, obviously, there's not enough time to really look at all of the different faces, the different people in the resurrection story. But let's look at just a few today. So let's start with the villain of the story. Yeah, you know, Judas. And Judas was definitely on the inside. But he betrayed Jesus unto death. And then Judas became hopeless and lost because of his betrayal. Oh, the gravity of what Judas had actually done, it was not completely known to him. Of course, we know what he did next. He hung himself. See, Judas Iscariot is primarily remembered for betraying Jesus. To this day, if somebody betrays you or you're somebody you know is betrayed by somebody else, many people will call that person a Judas. Wow. And Jesus said that Judas Iscariot wasn't, was not clean. There was something not right about him. That although he was in the group, he really wasn't connected. That he really wasn't pure. That he really wasn't clean. So here's Jesus as he's washing all the men's feet there at the Last Supper. And there he gets to Peter and he tells Peter, "I got." he goes, no, don't do me, Jesus. He says, if I don't do you, you can't be a part of anything of me. Well, then wash me all. And this is where we're going to read next. Let's read this part. John chapter 13, verse 10 and 11. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. He's talking to Peter. The whole body is clean. And you are clean. That's important. He's telling Peter, and you're clean. Though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. See, they would all betray him. They would all deny him. But there was something uniquely different inside the heart of Judas. 
his motives, his heart, his pride, it was all twisted and in a knot. So at the Last Supper that Jesus would have with His disciples before He would be crucified, He he told Judas in front of all the other disciples, go on. Go do what you got to do. So let's look at Luke chapter 22. Now, the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. So this is that Jewish holiday. This Passover holiday that refers all the way back to Exodus when Moses and all the Hebrews are going to leave Egypt and head through the Red Sea. And they're celebrating this great Exodus, this holiday. And so Jesus tells them where to go, and this is what He tells the guys. He says, And called the Passover was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Why? They didn't want to riot. Why? The people loved what Jesus was doing. And they believed that He could be a Judas Maccabeus, that He could be a revolutionary. Verse 3, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. And he consented. That's key. See, the enemy of your soul can't mess with you if you don't consent. And watch for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. That's why they got him in the garden. I agree with some scholars who say that Judas was trying to force Jesus' hand to fight against the establishment and become a revolutionary and to defeat Rome. And in the end, become powerful and wealthy, making Judas, who was now the treasurer, powerful and wealthy. Judas thought that he truly was smarter than everybody else than Jesus. And that every one of the disciples, they were just naive. He had to be the one to step it up. I mean, given the fact that Judas is close proximity to Jesus during the Lord's three years. He saw everything. He saw him raise the dead. He saw him heal blind eyes, Jairus' daughter. He, He saw him feed all these thousands of people with a little boy's lunch. He saw everything. And yet somehow, he still didn't know who he was. He was in, but he wasn't of. The truth is, is although Judas was on the inside of the Jesus movement, Judas did not really know Jesus because he didn't allow Jesus to come in. The story of Judas teaches us to guard against the small, gradual sinning in our life. Because if he goes unchecked, it's going to gain strength against you power against you and ultimately it's going to open up the floodgates for the enemy of your soul his story is also a great reminder of the appearances reminder that appearances can be deceiving in matthew chapter 7 verse 22 it's not in your notes 
Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? These are people who went to church. These are people who were literally a part of the leadership of church. Our entire world was about to be turned upside down. Now, of course, we do not know all the names of all the unique stories of all the unique people who were there during the Passion Week. But that's not really a far stretch as you listen to Mara. It was on, in Luke chapter 22 where, the, where Luke the doctor says this in verse 7, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. And he replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. That was unique because the men were always out in the field during that time when the water would be gathered, and that was always done by females. So he would have stood out carrying water as a man. Following him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He'll show you a large, furnished upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. And they left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Jesus was not like any other religious leader the people had ever seen. He was washing the feet of of the other men. He was the head of the table. This was a servant's job. Not even the guests were to do such a thing. And yet, Jesus... The head of the table, the one of great prominence and prestige, he comes down and goes and washes their feet. Because everything was almost like desert and dusty. All of their feet would be just filled with muck. And Jesus washes them. What's he trying to say? He says, be the servant of all. Stop trying to be the most biggest, baddest, tallest, most prominent person. It's not about power. It's about love. It's about going low so you can go high. It's all upside down and backwards. But that's how the Gospel works. He goes to the cross to die so that you and I might live. What? Yes. Why? Because none of us could do it ourselves. We weren't perfect. We know that the second we said, that's mine. Jesus was the living bread, meaning there was something that would bring eternity to mankind. And Jesus was about to turn the world upside down through His resurrection. Now let's move on again to another person, another character who was there during that Passion Week starting at Palm Sunday, working our way through Good Friday and ultimately 
to Resurrection Sunday. His name is Peter. He was the most vocal, outspoken of all the disciples. And Peter was, of course, on the inside. But Peter denied Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. And then, just as the Lord would say, on the third time, a rooster? Chicken? Chicken? Would crow. And he did. So let's read this passage of where, unfortunately, Peter denies him. We're still in Luke chapter 22. We're starting in verse 54. Then seizing him, meaning seizing Jesus, they led him, Jesus, away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A serving girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, meaning Jesus. But he, meaning Peter, denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. And Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows, today you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. He literally went out into the darkness. Remember, there's no street lights. And he went out into the far darkness all by himself and just wept. Because he knew what he had just done. See, after the Last Supper, Jesus took his disciples there to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And they're really also waiting to be arrested. He told them to stay awake and to pray while he went off to pray by himself, alone. And when Jesus returned to them, sure enough, there's Peter and the rest of them, and they're all asleep. And he says, wake up. He says, the enemy of your soul is wanting to sift you. He wants to test you. Don't fall asleep. You know, your spirit's willing, Peter, but your flesh is weak. And because of that weakness, he fell asleep once again when Jesus went to go pray a second time. He was weak and he didn't pray up. So Peter now sees the soldiers come. He's not prayed up. You know, if you're not prayed up, when that thing, that emergency, that trauma, that crisis comes... You will not be ready. When do you get prayed up? When nothing's going down. Why? So when it all goes down, you'll have the strength. He didn't do that. 
He was resting when he should be praying. It was not that Peter was just weak, but he was also, well, he was attacked with fear. To Peter's credit, although he was the only disciple that was actually following Jesus from this place to that place, wherever they would move him, he would follow, but he would do it at a distance. But he was the only one even doing that. But Peter recognized that what was really going on is ultimately they were going to not just hurt this man, they were going to kill this man. And then he realized that he and the other guys, they were all going to be dead too. They weren't going to just stop with Jesus. He saw it. And I don't know about you, but I think I would have been a little scared. You know, sometimes people are just like Peter and they get scared. Why? Because they want to face the persecution. They don't want to face all the hardness that people come at you because you're a Christian. I wonder if they were to put you on trial, would there be enough witnesses in your life to say, I know he's a Christian. I know she's a Christian. Why? Oh, I know where they go to church. I know they know Bible verses. I know they read. I know they listen to Christian music. All this stuff in their life tells me they're Christian. Or when somebody was to really look at you, would they know that? Would they even know that you're a Christian? Or are we going to be kind of like Peter and the disciples and Hide in the shadows. The world hated Jesus. And Peter found out that he wasn't prepared to face that ridicule and that persecution. The Lord had warned his disciples, but they didn't get it. Jesus' promise that Peter ultimately would become the rock that he would build his church on. And you know what? After he restored him three times, remember, Peter went back to fishing because he figured he was disqualified from being a, an apostle, being a, a disciple. So he went back to fishing and a bunch of the disciples went with him and they didn't catch anything that whole night. By the way, he's a commercial fisherman. Commercial fishermen don't get skunked. They may not have a big load, but they catch fish. And they came back skunked. And Jesus is on, on the shore and he yells out, Hey, you guys get anything? He knew they didn't catch anything. They, we didn't get anything. He goes, All right, pull in them nets and put it on the right side. What? We're tired. We worked all night long. We were not, we were awake the whole night long. Really? Usually you're asleep. That's interesting. So they grabbed the net. They took it from this side and they put it over onto the other side. And it was so big with the big fish, they caught 153 fish in one net. And then Jesus says, bring it over here. I got the fireplace going. We're good to go. Got the fire. And they cooked fish for their breakfast. And when they were done, Jesus looks right at them and says, hey, Peter, uh, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I, I love you. Keeps going. Hey, hey, Peter, do you phileo, meaning do brotherly love? Do you love me? Now he's getting upset. What are you doing here, God? Yeah, I love you. Then he asks him, agape, do you love me unconditionally? He says, Lord, you know all things. 
I don't even know how to answer this, but I do love you. Then he says what? Feed my sheep. He repented and was restored. And literally because of that, he does three things that are key to becoming the rock that Jesus wanted him to be to build his church on. The first thing he does is he preaches on Pentecost. Then Peter was present when the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit. Then finally Peter summoned to the home of this Roman centurion and who believed and was filled with the Holy Spirit. He preached to the Jews, to the Samaritans, and to the Gentiles. He literally became the rock of the church. What did he tell us? Go, right, and share the good news to all those in Jerusalem, Judea, and to Samaria, and to all the ends of the world. You mean the Jews, the Samaritans, and the Gentiles. Who did that first? Peter. Wow. So when it comes to Jesus and the resurrection story, who do you relate to the most? There's so many different faces and people. Is there something within you that you see that's just not right between you and the Lord? If you were to approach your connection with Jesus like Judas did, you would lead, it would lead to pain and to destruction and ultimately being completely separated from the Lord your God. And if you approach it like many in the crowd, but the question is, will you choose to become a follower of Jesus? It's unknown. We don't know. All of those unknown faces, did they become followers? And if you approach it like Peter did, would you be honest with yourself? Would you be honest with Jesus? I've messed up. I've messed up in ways my family doesn't even know. I've really done wrong. But like Peter, because you're honest with yourself and with the Lord, we saw him repent and we saw him restored. Judas was on the inside but betrayed him. Then he was hopeless and lost by his own choosing. Peter was on the inside but denied him. Then repented and was restored. The resurrection Sunday here today, I ask the question, where are you? Are you on the inside, but not connected? Are you on the outside, but just curious? Are you on the inside, but really messed up? Where are you? Well, the good news is, no matter where you're at, all are welcome. If you're on the outside, it don't matter. If you're on the inside, it don't matter. If you're just not close to Christ, He says, come, have some fish. By the way, do you love me? I love you. I love you. <laughs> Jesus died for whosoever. 
He doesn't care how old you are. He doesn't care what color you are. He doesn't care what your gender is. He doesn't care about all those things except the most important, you in your heart. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, I just pray for each and every person here today. It's Resurrection Sunday, 2023. Lord, may we just be honest with ourselves and with one another, but most importantly, to be honest with you. Are we distant? Are we really on the inside, but, but not even connected to the Lord? Thinking we are, but we're really not? Are we on the inside thinking we're really got it all together, but like Peter just messed up? I didn't mean to. Or how about we've never heard anything? about how powerful the blood of Jesus is that washes away my sin. If you're here today and you just want to say, I just need to get right with, with the Lord. I just want to say, Jesus, would you come in my life? Would you make me a Christian? Would, would you clean up my heart? I want to be a Christian. I want people to know that I'm a Christian. If that's you, would you raise your hand or look up at me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you right where you're at. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Praise God. Yes. Love you, Lord. Bless these people, Father. Praise God. Amen. Is God tugging on your heart right now? That's because He loves you. He's not trying to hurt you or scare you. He's trying to reach out to you. Would you pray with me, church? Everybody pray this out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, my sin. Be the Savior of my soul. Be the leader of my life. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus, thank you in your holy name. Now, Lord, I pray for each and every person who here on, on this day, April the 9th, 2023, Resurrection Sunday, they gave their life back to You, Lord. Lord, whether they felt like they were in the in or on the out doesn't really matter. You welcome us all. But Lord, we know when something's not right, we can sense it inside of us. So Lord, I pray You would just bless them. Bless them the way You did Peter. How You restored him. How You showed him how You had purpose and significance to, the, to his life and to their life. Lord, that You would bless their relationships. You would bless their future. You would bless their bodies. You would bless their marriages, their children, their friends, their place of work. Whatever is in their life, God, it would be blessed. Even their animals. 
God, we pray blessing that would be so pronounced that nobody could debate the hand of God operating in their life. And they would give you all the praise and all the glory. Oh God, we pray that they would take their first big step closer to Jesus today and not stop and then take another one and then take another one and another one. And before long, they'll be leading other people to Christ as well. I pray, Lord, Your will and Your way be upon them. And Lord, how the enemy would want to come in, the enemy of our soul, and his vain imagination try to still. I even sense it right now. Somebody saying, you have any idea what you did? How awful that was? How ugly that was? And nobody knows, but you know. And trying to still already the love of the Lord. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus who purges out vain imaginations in Jesus' name. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And may truth saturate them that the grace of Jesus covers all of our sins. No guilt, no shame, just like Peter. Jesus, Your will, Your way. Your grace, Your mercy. In Jesus' holy name. And we all say, Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.